Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So my, my first time coming here in 2006, I had never actually been inside the football stadium here. And I got down with like, man, yeah, you know, this is, so, you know, of, of, of course the, the intro, but you know, when you guys come out, you know, you got the sandstorm going us actually not you guys when at, at that point you guys, but now when we come out, you know, we play sandstorm, but as a, as a, as a visiting team coming out and you have to go past the, 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 the whole student section there and they're going crazy and the towels are, and the towels are going to me, that's like intimidating for the opposite team. And so I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, some fans back in there if, as, as long as we get this thing um, un, under control with what's going on now and the, um, throughout this pandemic, but just the atmosphere here, man, it's so much, you know, I mean, just so much, just so much energy in the building. It, it's crazy to explain it. And then, you know, every, every time they get a good, big play or get a first down, you gotta, you gotta hear that that I just heard out here going. So, I mean, to me, it's a great place to play, man. Great atmosphere. Somehow I think that's going to show up somewhere on Twitter. Uh... <laughs> that, of course, Gamecocks, new running backs coach, Montario Hardesty being introduced yesterday. Um, infectious personality there, y'all. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I got a really good feeling about that guy. Um, had heard really good things about him. You obviously – you look, he's still a young guy, didn't quite, you know, on paper have the resume of, uh, you know, a guy like Des Kitchings who he's replacing. But, um, man, you, you start to sort of gather info on, on a guy and, and you you feel really good about him. And then just hearing Montario Hardesty um, talk yesterday, hard not to be impressed. I, I mean, uh, seems to me I, we, we've been saying for some time that's a position, the running backs coach that you have to be able to recruit. You have to have a personality at that spot. Um, if you look at the modern-day sort of staff um, structure, then um, you know, you know that, that spot has to be able to recruit. I think anyone could have taken five minutes and listened to Hardesty talk yesterday, and you'd say, okay, that guy can connect with people. That guy can certainly connect with young people. So I would encourage everyone – to go back and listen or watch Montario Hardesty's uh, comments from yesterday. You can actually find those on our Gamecock Central YouTube page at youtube.com slash Gamecock Central, which is also where you can watch GC Live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the offseason and every single day during the uh, football season. You're listening or watching GC Live right now. I am Wes Mitchell, my partner in crime. Chris Clark should hopefully be on here shortly if uh, i'm telling y'all if it's if it's not me having tech issues which i had all last week believe um knock on wood that those are now fixed thanks to my man collins at spectrum who went above and beyond to get me fixed here at home believe we're good to go there now um but now chris having some issues so chris hopefully going to be on here shortly to join me uh, so that you don't have to listen to me ramble for an hour but if it is just me, we'll go very, very heavy into your questions. So 
get your questions lined up, um, help me steer the show here, and um, hopefully we'll be joined here shortly by uh, my cohort, Chris Clark. Uh, GC Live is, of course, as always, brought to you by uh, my good buddy Clint Hammond at Mortgage Network. Clint is the uh, head man there at the Columbia Mortgage Network right across from Dreer High School. You'll, If you're in this area, you've probably driven by it uh, many times. Uh, go check Clint out, uh, clinthammond.com, or you can go to mortgagenetwork.com slash clint-hammond, or give him a call, 803-771-6933. Um, did my mortgage with Clint, did my refinance with Clint, and I can absolutely promise you that Clint will take care of you. And the great thing about Clint is he's a huge Gamecock fan and huge Gamecock Central supporter as well. So we are absolutely thrilled to have Clint and his team as our supporting sponsors, our presenting sponsors, I should say, here on GC Live. Wednesday episode of the show, as you know, um, hit us up in the chat line if you're watching live. Obviously, if you are listening to the show later on in the podcast, we'd love to have you join us when we're doing this live. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And most importantly, we're on YouTube, which is what I believe is the best place to watch the show. Again, waiting on Chris Clark to hop in. If y'all have any questions, go ahead and, and come on with them. But uh, the, the big – and, you know, thing, things are slowing down now. Um, obviously, with with sort of the head coach deal, um, you know, the last, what, two, three months, we were trying to track the head coaching hire. Then you're trying to track all these different assistant coaching hires. Then you had movement within the assistants who had already been hired. Layered on top of that, we had early signing period. And then, obviously, last week we had the original, the late, what is now the late signing period. So things have calmed down a little bit. Things have slowed down a little bit. Uh, Things have slowed down a lot. But basically this, I think, gives us a chance, y'all, to regroup maybe add some guests to the show and sort of take account of where things are now that they have settled in. Um, yesterday, again, Montario Hardesty being announced, Shane Beamer talking to the media again. I I would say not a whole lot necessarily brand new from Beamer's talk. You know, I think uh, one thing about Shane Beamer, he has been very accessible so far as a head coach. We've heard from him in these official media settings multiple times, pretty much every single time South Carolina has had a new hire or a new group of hires. Uh, As far as his staff goes, we've heard from him. Um, You've seen him on various radio and TV shows, uh, doing everything he can to keep his name and keep the program's name out there. So, not, I would say not a whole lot new from Beamer talking yesterday um, just because he has been so accessible in keeping everybody updated on what's going on within the program. Um, did find it interesting. He said when they were going through the hiring process, as far as running backs coach goes, that he and, and Satterfield were on a Zoom call. We, we told our Gamecock Central subscribers that Satterfield was very involved um, in the process and was going to be a part of this process as far as hiring someone. And uh, so basically Beamer was in his office, Satterfield in his office, and then they did a collaborative Zoom um, with uh, Monterio Hardesty. And a- as soon as it was over, 
Satterfield gets up, walks to Meaner's office and says, you know, what, what are we waiting for? Why, why, you know, who else do we even need to talk to? We need to hire this guy. Well, I will say after listening to Hardesty speak yesterday, um, I, I sort of had the same reaction, the same impression, like, okay, th- this is the perfect hire for this spot. Again, there's not this long, crazy track record of SEC experience, but we we you don't have to have that, especially at that age, to be a successful coach. Uh, what do you have to have to be a successful coach, particularly at the college level, particularly at the running back spot? Um, first of all, again, modern day staff structure, the running backs coach, this is just the way it is, has to be a recruiter type, has to be able to connect with kids, has to have that infectious energy. My, my first, that was one of the first things I noticed, um, other than the fact that Hardesty is a great communicator was, you know, this, this guy has some excitement in his voice. He's pumped up to be at South Carolina. He's pumped up for this job. Um, two, obviously, you have to be able to be a teacher. You have to be able to communicate. Um, I, I think that was obvious from his uh, – just from the press conference that he is a great communicator. But I think you add in, in a, some NFL experience, certainly some SEC experience. This is a guy that knows what an SEC running back looks like. He know, and that's you know what I'm talking about of that as far as evaluations go. He knows what it's like to suit up in an SEC football game and go be the guy within the running game. So, I I think that's big. You know, if if, if you're not someone that has this long um, track record of being a coach at the Power Five level, having been able to have actually done it to me for me goes a a long, long way. And you're talking about someone I, I I really like when he talked about trying to bring the big picture to the running back position. And what I mean by that and what he meant by that was this is just not, this isn't just see hole hit hole. If you're a running back, um, Hardesty talked about the safeties, talked about how um, I believe the way he put it was the safeties don't lie. And, and what he's talking about there is that pre-snap and certainly those, you know, that second and a half or, or really the, the instant that the ball is snapped, um, the safeties will tell you what a defense is doing from a schematic standpoint, from a play calling standpoint. So whether you're getting single high whether you're getting two high safeties, whether both safeties are coming up, that's going to tell you, uh, you know, are, are they in a cover two, are they in cover three, are they in man coverage, stuff like that. Safeties will safeties will eliminate coverages for you. So he talked about, A, wanting to get some experience in some other areas, which, um, you know, you, you see him coaching wide receivers, you see him uh, involved with special teams, and – he wants to take, again, I believe, a holistic approach. That's a word we've used before. That's a word Pete Limbo used. And he wants to take a holistic approach to the running back spot. Um, being a former wide receivers coach, I believe, helps you 
in uh, teaching the parts of that position that um, also go beyond just being a running back, catching the football. Um, he even confidently said, if, um, if, a, if I'm evaluating a guy and he has everything else, but he's not really asked to do anything in pass protection in high school, he said, I can coach him to do all those things. Um, let's now try to bring in my buddy, my co-host, my partner in crime, Chris Clark. Chris, if it's not me, it's you, man. Uh, are, are we good now? It looks like we got you locked in. Well, as long as I'm here and everybody can hear me and see me, then I think we're good. The, the issue actually was not internet for some reason, um, TMI department, but I mean, for some reason, the browser that I use for our platform here is not the browser I normally use. And it just decided to not really work today. So it is working uh, at dial-up speed. I actually made dial-up look like the speed of light. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, here I am. And I'm, apologies for my delay. I got to say, man, um, I got to knock on a lot of wood because if somebody is actually saying that my internet is working great, then that, that never happens. So yeah. I'm on, I'm on a, a new modem, a brand-new line. The the line does not have a splitter on it anymore, which we figured out was actually the problem was that there's an old uh, there's a line that used to have DirecTV on it, and the Spectrum line was split with the DirecTV in my attic. Um, I didn't set it up that way, obviously, but that's the way it was. So that was the issue, and I in the process upgraded my speed, so I'm paying Spectrum more. But I figured we'll stick with the faster speed because I think we're going to be in much better shape now. Um, to do some different things with the show. And maybe when I play these highlights and stuff and we talk about them, they won't be choppy either. So um, should be good for the show. Knock on wood. Everything's all good. I'm talking – I have been talking, Chris, uh, about Montario Hardesty and some of my biggest takeaways from yesterday. My, my first one, as I told them, was just the sort of infectious energy, personality from this guy. Um, sort of jumped off the screen to me. I'm like, okay, this dude is excited to be here. But then the word holistic came to my mind again when remember when Pete Limbo first gets hired, he's talking about his holistic approach to coaching special teams. Well, that came to my mind again when Hardesty was talking about not just wanting to coach his running backs, uh, you know, to simply run to the hole, basically, uh, you know, talking about reading coverages, talking about um, how safeties will, will sort of tell you what the defense is doing, talking about how he wanted to sort of learn coaching other positions in order to better suit himself to uh, to coach the running back spot. So I really – I don't know, man. I, I just – to me, the, the lasting impression from one media setting was that from a personality and energy standpoint – I was like, okay, this guy's like young, has that juice, but from an approach standpoint, doesn't feel green at all. Like he feels like a guy who sort of has a plan in place and wants to bring something maybe even a little bit different, a little bit deeper to the running back position. Yeah. And, and you know, I, so there are several things that stood out and you just said something that made me think of the, the main one. When I turned on, you know, the computer, the video yesterday, my first thought was, 
is this Monterio from 2005 with, you know, a Gamecock shirt on? You know, I mean, he looks like a young dude. He looks like he could still play, and he still has that that youthful energy, but definitely a guy who sounds seasoned, right? And he talked about his sort of progression as a coach in terms of, you know, when he started, he was, what, 26 years old and just gotten out of the league. Now he's 34, so he's about our age, Wes, and, you know, has learned a lot, been around a lot of different coaches, different systems, et cetera, since that time. So he does have sort of that long view approach. I think the thing that stood out to me the most, um, I really liked his description of what he's looking for in a running back, which what he described is a stud, basically, somebody who can do everything. But I think the top thing that stood out to me just in his comments was uh, it really matched what Shane Beamer has said, what um, you know Greg Adkins has said, and that is my first order of business is getting to know the players he, he even used the term, you know, recruit my guys back, not in that he's got to go in that room and say, hey, guys, y'all are staying, right? Like, that's not what he meant by it. He meant build a relationship. And I think that has really stood out because it's pretty evident that Shane Beamer and building his staff wants to have that type of approach, right? We've seen that with some hires, Luke Day and guys like Eric Kimry and, um, you know, Montario Hardesty, a lot of the guys that he's brought in, really probably all of them, Many of them in some form or fashion have taught in their media settings about getting to know the players, you know, on, on a deeper level and, and, and having everything relationship driven and then things falling into place after that, having the players trust you, having the players like you, having a good two-way communication. I thought that really stood out. That that sounds like a smaller thing, but I thought it really fit in with how they're trying to build the staff. Yeah, and speaking of how they're building the staff, dude, does and I know I know Beamer Ball is built on special teams, but it does Shane Beamer have a special uh, appreciation or love for guys who have been special teams guys at some point? Because I think you you start to look at these bios. I, I mean, we talked about it before. You know, Des Kitchings was was a guy that had some special teams experience um, previously. Obviously, the decision to go with uh, with Pete Limbo as a true standalone special teams coordinator, um, you look – I mean, you can go down the list. Clayton White, who is uh, obviously South Carolina's defense coordinator, he's got a history a, as a special teams coach. And then you look at Montario Hardesty, as we talked about, he was the receivers coach with Charlotte. But you start to go back, and he uh, he has some experience in strength and conditioning, and um, he has some experience as a running backs coach and special teams coordinator for a couple of years at Norfolk State. So. Um, there, there seems to be – I don't know how much of this is coincidence. I don't know how much of this is that maybe guys who tend to be good special teams coordinators also sort of fit the mold of what Beamers just happens to sort of believe is important. Um, if he actually looks for that specifically, I, I, I don't know. Is it you know is it an actual correlation or, or – how does it all fit in? But it, it is at least interesting that that seems to pop up on bios of guys on South Carolina staff. Um, you know, you, you even look at a Marcus Satterfield, you're talking about a guy who has coached multiple positions as well. It's not that he's just a quarterback's guy slash play caller. He's coached multiple positions and has a feel for for coaching multiple positions. So I, I I wonder how much that has played in, how much of it is just a coincidence. But I, I do know there is a sense out there 
Um, I've heard this said before that special teams coaches sometimes uh, can make your best head coaches because they're used to having to control the entire room, control the entire team. And they're one of the few assistant coaches that actually does have to at times address the entire team. Yeah. And Hardesty mentioned that in his, in his uh, media opportunity yesterday and sort of sounded a little bit like what Shane Beamer said in his, some of his opportunities in that, you know, Shane Beamer would, would say a lot of times in some of his press opportunities, Hey, yeah, I haven't been a head coach before, but, or I haven't been a coordinator before on offense or defense, but I've coordinated special teams and you're standing then in front of the whole team and you're standing in front of the offense and the defense. Cause you've got a mix and a blend of players. And so you build relationships you know, on, on in other phases, as opposed to just say you're the offensive line coach, you're going to work with the offensive line, and that's about it. You know, you're going to have maybe you got a little special teams carryover, but the coordinator's going to talk to a lot of those guys. And so, Hardesty mentioned that too. He said, Yeah, getting to coach the running backs, but when I'm working with special teams, then I'm getting to know the corners and all these different positions. And so, um, you know, it, it does go back to that building, building relationships with more people on the team. and Obviously, Pete Limbo, you know, you mentioned him as a special teams coordinator, but also been a head coach, you know, and, and has sort of that that 30,000 foot view of things. You know, he, he can sort of take that and he can bring that to this team. And I'm sure that's something that, that Shane Beamer will lean on, um, whether it's his position coaches, his coordinators, or even a guy like Pete Limbo, who's coordinating special teams, but has that head coach experience. And, and man, I you made the point, but I'm – Watching him yesterday, I I seriously was sitting there thinking, this guy could go bust out a spin move right now. You know, he had that patented spin move. I think yes. he, he put one on South Carolina in that uh, 20 – what was the game where he went off? He went off on South Carolina. His, I think it was in 2008. It was the Halloween game, right? Yeah, yeah. Tennessee came out on the all-black – the black jerseys. Yeah, um, 2008. Yeah, so – yeah, busted out the spin move on South Carolina. Really, really good player and a, a guy that I, I think just is going to bring bring knowledge to that room, bring firsthand experience to that room. And Chris, uh, lastly, as I played at the beginning, had some really good memories about being at williams Bryce Stadium and uh, really got – I mean, his lasting soundbite had to do his – had to be his cock-a-doodle-doo that he busted out um, out of nowhere. Um, and that, so that was cool. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning is he has very, and Beamer talked about this. He has specific, uh, I would say experience one of going through a coaching change at his position group in college, but maybe even more importantly, he had the exact same surgery that Marshawn Lloyd had very early in his college career as well. Um, I believe same deal, redshirted his freshman year because of that injury. So to me, that's got to be helpful. Now, Lloyd Lloyd bouncing back very, very well from everything we've heard and from what Beamer said. So I I don't think you're really worried about that. Uh, Modern medicine is amazing, but um, not ever a bad thing for him to be able to come in and say, look, guys, I get it. You're going on three coaches, you know, it it stinks, not ideal, but I want to be your guy, and I've sat right where you are, both from coaching change standpoint and from having to bounce back from an injury standpoint at this position as well. Yeah, I mean, 
the the reason that Montario Hardesty's NFL career, you know, cut a little bit short because of you know, injury situation. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got that perspective. And in addition to that, I mean, maybe on a smaller scale, but this is a guy that's played, he played his college football at Tennessee, he's played at all the big stadiums. He's got experience in the SEC. So th- this is a, in multiple ways, this is a position that he's been in. He's walked in those shoes before. And um, it's something that he's going to be able to relate to some of these prospects in the 2022 class, 2023 class, some of these guys that he's going to be recruiting at the running back position to try to get to South Carolina. He's going to be able to relate to that. And, you know, not only that, but um, he's going to be able to relate to it because his experience is pretty recent. You know, this is, this is experience that he has um, not 30 years ago. You know, it was it was 2005 through 2009, and then he went to the NFL and then right into coaching. And so um, he's got sort of that recency behind it, and he's a really relatable and, and energetic guy. So I think all those things are probably going to help him on the recruiting trail in terms of his pitch. Yeah, he'll certainly be hitting the recruiting trail running. We'll, um, we'll certainly have some stuff in, in the coming days, as I had mentioned on – Maybe I mentioned it on the show. I know I mentioned it on on the uh, site, on GamecockCentral.com. If you're not a member, come on over, join us, hang out. That's where we are all day, pretty much every day. But South Carolina had already really positioned themselves, I believe, under Des Kitchings with about five, six, maybe seven guys that I think they were in the running with. So anytime there's a new coach, that guy is going to have his own connections, both from maybe a kid he's he's recruited elsewhere or, you know, maybe a high school that he has trust, you know, developed with. But, you know, he's, I'm sure, going to work off of that same list as well. And if there's a guy or two that already really is interested in South Carolina and interested in what's going on at South Carolina, we'll probably try to build some relationships there as well and sort of work off that. And then what generally happens is the new coach will sort of, Maybe move a guy up, maybe move a guy down. He's going to have his own approach, his own recruiting board. But um, the guys South Carolina was in on some some really good players. Uh, I think it it stands to reason that there will be quite a bit of overlap, especially early on with that list of guys that that Des Kitchings was working off of. Um, so it will be interesting to see that. And as you said, Chris, when he when he was asked, "What do you want in a running back?" <laughs> I mean, he kind of described himself, right, like a, a freaking stud. I mean, this was a guy coming out of high school that was a monster. Um, you know, I, I want a guy that's fast, that can break tackles, that can catch the football. You know, it's like right. – um, yeah. That, I mean, you, you just described a, a monster. But that that's – in this league, that, that's what you got to go find. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, no, nobody's going to say, well, we'll, do, we'll just go try to get somebody who's half decent. You know, I mean – Obviously, you know, I thought it was interesting though that he didn't just say we're going to go sign a stud or a monster. I mean, that may have made a cool headline or soundbite, but he sort of did break it down. And it's, you know, the first thing he mentioned is the ability to make people miss in a phone booth. That that saying, so your short area quickness and when you're one on one, can you run around a guy through a guy? Can you get around somebody? Burst. Um, the blocking is something that he mentioned, but he he said it's more of a willingness, you know as opposed to, you know, a lot of times that's going to be the biggest adjustment for a guy at the college level it is going to be blocking because sometimes they're not asked to do it as much. The schemes aren't as complex sometimes in high school, obviously in college, 
or in high school, you know, there, there can be some varying levels of that, but um, they're maybe not asked to do it as much. Don't worry about it as much in college. And particularly in this scheme, what he alluded to Wes, they're going to have their backs, catch the backfield, catch the ball of the backfield, run the football block. That's going to be an integral part of the offense. It's going to be very much pro style in that regard. And so, um, they're going to have to do that. And so he, from what he said, hey, I'll teach him how to do that. I'll teach him the nuances of blocking and what to do, where to be, but they need to be willing to do it. Yeah, and he um, – I said this earlier, Chris. He very confidently said, I will teach them. To, you know, it wasn't It wasn't like, a, you know, we'll see if we can teach them. He said, I'll, I'll teach them to do it. So uh, love the confidence. Um, all right, let, let's switch gears here in a second to – the official roster that has now come out for spring. Before we do that, I, I'm hesitant. <laughs> I'm hesitant to bring this up, but I feel like I have to because the great part, the great thing about this show, um, probably my favorite thing about this show, is the interaction. And uh, we still got to get a sponsor for our degenerate chat line here. But this is two two shows in a row that the legend Gamecock Russ is being hit on in the, the chat line. So um, <laughs> I I really wish I knew the story here, but it appears that Russ has an admirer on the chat line. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see <laughs> where that goes. Um, apparently I say roster weird, which – I say a lot of words weird. I get I get made fun of. That's fine. Um, what what are you thinking over there, Chris? No, I'm just I'm just laughing at the comments too, and I'm I'm not I'm I'm a little um I have some trepidation about where that that may go. What you what you brought up. So uh, you remember what what honestly came to my mind was the one very ill advised early in like the early infancy of GC Live when we were doing Zoom. And we had just – that was the most bizarre moment of my life, I, I could I could say. All right, ladies, the legend, Gamecock Russ, Russ has a girlfriend. Ooh. He is not on the market. So, um, <laughs> I guess we cut that one. We ended that one before it started. But, yes, for those who – we're not here in the infancy. Doug Henry says you don't have to be lonely at Gamecock only. <laughs> oh man, we had we we tried to do a Zoom call, which was a cool idea, we thought, but it was literally it wasn't just us talking, y'all chatting. It was a literal Zoom call, and. We first just had Gamecock Central folks get on there. There was a few people that hopped on. It was cool. We were talking some ball. Well, I made the mistake. I was like, man, there's not enough people on here. Let me tweet this link out and tweet it out. And I guess, Chris, there are people that sit on Twitter and probably have some bot that searches out for Zoom links. (laughs) And my man pops in takes over and I don't even know I don't I don't even want to describe what it looked like but I also don't even know if I can describe what it looked like but 
you remember what it looks like though, right? I mean, it's etched in my brain. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it's burned in my brain forever. But I mean, it was a it was basically a dude in his leather. We'll just leave it at that. And um, and I'm sitting there like exit, exit, close. Ex-. I mean, I'm hitting everything, and I'm like, I can't. You know, I'm I'm about to start cussing and stuff, and my man will not get off the screen. So finally, I just I just close the thing out. Like, um, <laughs> I'm like, I got I've got to get off this because it was streaming out live. It wasn't just you know, us talking in the Zoom, which it would have been like, okay, that was awful, but 15 people saw it, you know. It was streaming out live on our front page, and I'm like, this dude's about to get me fired. So, anyway, you're right. This this, this is way more innocent, I think, on the chat right now right. than our first Zoom experience. And guess what? I don't think we've done a Zoom since. Oh uh, no. So, so there yeah. There's a reason for that. But um I think I think we scared the uh, Chichi off because we called her out for being in love with Russ. But anyway, all right, let's get into this roster as apparent as apparently I say it. Um Chris roster comes out yesterday. Not a whole lot. I mean, nothing just crazy new. We did learn some new numbers, and that gives me an excuse to show off this new graphic I made. So hopefully I got these right. But new numbers, Sam Reynolds is number three, Debo Williams, number five, Amarian Brown, number seven, Jordan Strawn, number seven as well, Colton Gothier, 10, Jakeem Green, 11, EJ Jenkins, 13, Jason Brown, 15, Marcellus Dial, 24, Davis Spalding, 29, Jordan Davis, 60. And Nick Barrett seventy six. Um, for so there, those there those are for people who like numbers. I know that's something a lot of people uh, are curious about. Let's talk about this roster from a football standpoint, though. Yeah. Um, I would say, Chris, the thing first of all that just grabbed my attention was the use of the designation as far as the position of an edge player. Mm-hmm. And specifically confirmed that Jordan Strong is going to be sort of an edge guy for, you know, for South Carolina. That That's what we sort of said from watching him that, uh, you know, even though he was considered like a linebacker transfer, that, you know, he, he was someone that just played so much on the edge for Georgia State. They actually did a little bit in coverage. They sort of used him kind of like a um kind of like a a buck in the old South Carolina scheme. But I think you you look and um he's a guy that his his skill set is going to be much better used rushing the passer than having to play in any type of man coverage certainly. Could you drop him back into some zones and stuff like that? Absolutely. But um the scheme going to be a little bit different as far as how it's structured. Uh, we'll see exactly what that looks like. But now gone are sort of the buck versus defensive end, uh, sort of separate uh, ways of designating designating things. But um, now pretty much everybody who's an, an in-type player is considered an edge guy as far as how they're labeled within this scheme. Um, so 
first look at the roster when I first saw, okay, here's something called edge. You know, my, my next question was, all right, is, is this an edge and then an end? You know what I mean? Or like two different designations, like you said, but no, it's everybody. It's a, it's a Tonka Hemingway and a Jordan Strong, a Jordan Birch and a Aaron Sterling, Rod Fitton, Inagari, like everybody who's that edge type player. And we talked about this before. I mean, Clayton White is going to deploy some different looks, you know, third downs. Sometimes you're going to see two down linemen, two stand up guys. You're going to see three down linemen, one stand up guy. So, um, are, are the uh, these guys are all different types of players, or some fit more into that pass rusher, some fit more into that true end type of look, some a little bit of both. Um, but this this gives them some flexibility, and I, I thought it was interesting just to see how that was structured on the roster. You know, what watching a little bit of Western Kentucky just on YouTube and, and what I could find, that was one of the things that stood out to me the most is just how much their defensive ends do stand up. Now, they're they're still lined up at the line of scrimmage. It's just more as far as their stance. It's a stand-up rush as opposed to a three-point or four-point stance. So I, I thought that was interesting. I, I'm, I'm guessing, Chris, there's going to sort of just be some versatility within this scheme. You know, maybe there's not a, a defensive end versus Buck, but – at times, I imagine you'd have either side doing some of the same things that South Carolina had the buck do uh, within their scheme at at times. But I do think you look, and if we're going to sort of look for a position grouping on offense or on defense that you feel the best about, that you feel really good about, um, all of a sudden, you know, that edge spot, between some of the older guys, you, you bring it, – it's very weird to even say this. It feels like Aaron Sterling just signed with South Carolina, but now he has been his second senior year. <laughs> you, yeah. you have some veteran guys. Uh, you know, you, you have a Kingsley, uh, J.J. Inubare that's back. Then you have these just young, super talented, you know, your Jordan Birches, your Tonka Hemingways at that spot. And then – you have, um, I would say, what what did we use last year is the word wild card. Like your wild card is Jordan Strong. Mm-hmm. Very, I would say, um, quick thing I noticed yesterday that could you could have easily maybe passed you by. Beamer saying Jordan Strong had gained like 20 pounds since he got on campus. That is a very good sign for South Carolina. As that, because that, because that was my question with him. Could he be an every down type if he's playing more of an edge defensive end type role? If he's put on that type of weight, then that certainly increases those chances and increases what should be some really good competition at at these end slash now called edge spots. And so that would mean, presumably, Wes, that he's. I, I think Beamer meant from the from the roster. So he's he's six four, about two forty, two thirty five, two forty would be what he is. Because on the roster he's listed six four, two twenty, right? And uh, Jordan Strawn, out of high school, six four, one ninety, ranked as a safety. So about fifty pounds up from high school. Really interesting. So um. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's big. And and I think what this allows you to do, you know, and and getting Aaron Sterling back for another year, right? Keeping Inigbare on the fold, preventing him from, you know, not having him transfer for a final year or test the NFL, whatever, and then bringing on Jordan Strong, then having Jordan Birch. You know, this gives you some flexibility on third downs to get creative because now that you might feel like, Wes, that you have a true, okay, here's our third down package. Let's say it's third and nine. If you can get into third and nine, now maybe you feel like you can roll something out there that's like just spitballing. Maybe you can roll out a Birch, Strawn, you know, Enigbare, Sterling package, you know, of some pass rushers and go out there and try to make some things happen. If you can stay healthy, maybe that gives you more flexibility to do so. Now, South Carolina's got to get to third and long. That was an issue some last year, you know, given some of the run game struggles. But it does give you uh, – you, you feel, I think, a little bit better about the potential at least in terms of having more of a stable of pass rushers, and that's an area that they wanted to beef up this offseason. Yeah, certainly puts you in a spot to, you know, maybe have some type of NASCAR-type package and – put a bunch of defensive end types on the field and, and say, go, you know, go get the quarterback. I, I think that's, that's certainly ideal. As you said, you, you got to get there first, but once you get there would be nice to have that sort of in your, in your repertoire as a defense. So some other roster notes, I would say worth mentioning. Um, let's see tight end uh, for, for one will register no longer on the roster. That's been sort of long rumored, um, from what I understand, now he he is not in the transfer portal. When I was told, he's sort of just going to move on, um, you know, as far as like get into the workforce, something like that, move on with his life. Um, Eric Shaw, something else we had been told. I don't even know if we mentioned it, but Eric Shaw um, had had dabbled in on the defensive side last year. He is listed and is back with the tight ends. Zaquandre White back with the running backs, and then as you would have expected, Jordan Rhodes back at um, offensive line. I, I think Jordan Rhodes has a great chance really to be a starter at, at guard this year. So um, pretty much I believe was a lock that he would be on, on offense, but that completely confirms it. Um, Trucker Jim asked about Nick Muse. Yes, Nick has been back. Uh, he already announced a, a while back that he was going to be back with the team. And then roster-wise, Chris, we get confirmations um, – you know, we had already reported that Ortre Smith, you know, was back and, and working with the team, uh, that R.J. Roderick was back and, and working with the team, and those were two things that, you know, were not a surprise when it came out. But one thing we, we did sort of want to be confirmed uh, one way or the other, we, we get confirmation Randrikis Davis is uh, on the roster at receiver. And then Mark Fox, who um, admittedly I had been told you know, not to be surprised if Mark Fox just sort of moves on. And uh, he has apparently decided to, to stick it out and, and give it another shot after opting out last year. So four opt-outs officially back on the South Carolina roster um, for the spring. Um, yeah, I thought Mark Fox was, you know, an interesting one. You know, we were hearing similar things on that one. Dr- Drake was one that I think maybe a few days, a week before the roster release, we had heard that, yes, he was still going to be on the roster, but that was a legitimate question, I think, this offseason because, you know, it was going into what this will be his sixth year, right? And then he had, you know, the significant injury history, the opt-out last year. So it was a fair question to wonder, it, all that plus the coaching transition, but still there. And so there are some guys that, um, you know, obviously are, are coming back, making another run at it. And 
you know, Dreek Davis is someone, man, that's just gosh, he's just had such a rough go of it with the injuries. I mean, it's been one thing after another for him. He's a guy that's got some ability for sure. And I think if healthy could help this team, he's shown some flashes here and there being able to do that. But the key for him will just be, you know, staying healthy and trying to do that for a prolonged amount of time. But, um, you know, like you said, not a ton of surprises um, on this roster. And South Carolina really, I think, Wes, obviously, yes, they had some defections from this roster that maybe weren't surprising or maybe a couple that were. You know, I thought, for instance, before he left, obviously, that John Dixon would probably be a prime candidate to stick around. You know, but South Carolina lost some guys, and they lost some guys that were going to help this year that, that are going to be tough losses. Um, but they also kept some guys, you know, that were realistically you could have understood uh, one one way or another, where they whether they were contributors, big contributors, starters or not, you could have understood if they moved on to a different situation. So I think overall they came out pretty well at, at a lot of spots on this roster. So um, I'm checking, Chris, right now our our daily report, which tells us if someone has subscribed to the Gamecock Central or not, or how many people have subscribed. And I am not yet seeing anybody by the name of Greg having signed up to Gamecock Central. Did you check yesterday? I did check yesterday. No Greg yesterday either. No Greg. And Mm-mm. we got the confirmation. And I have not seen Greg. Greg, if you're out there, hop, go ahead, hop in the chat, buddy. Because I think this has to count as official confirmation. I think, I think he said he was not going to accept the roster. He's not accept. I mean, I, there was something that he said he wasn't going to accept. I think that was it. Greg, right now, is is like me in middle school football, where I was tiny. You know, the, our middle school football team is really good. This is like me when I didn't want to look at the film from the last game, and I <laughs> so I just would maybe like be sick or something. That's Greg right now. Yeah. So six foot seven to. And for people listening, I, I know most of the people in the chat who are on here every day probably know what I'm talking about. People who are just listening on the podcast or maybe you're new, Greg made a bet with us that EJ Jenkins was basically not over 6'5", I believe is probably the most efficient way to say the bet. Um, listed six foot seven, 242 pounds, which, by the way, man, I still – I don't know, man. This dude in in this loop day, SEC strength and conditioning. How big is EJ Jenkins going to be by the time this thing kicks off in September? And I, I'm I just I feel like there may be a a Justin Step Eric Kimry in office fight to have this guy in their room because the- yeah, I mean look look at tight ends these days, man. I mean. Kyle Pitts, not really a true – I mean, he is a true tight end. He's not a traditional tight end like what a tight end would have been 25 years ago. So, I don't I don't know. I'll be very curious to see – or do you just make up a position for this guy? You know, I mean, that's, that's what Florida did with Pitts. And I'm not saying he will be Pitts. That would be dramatic. But to 
you, you know what I mean? As far as yeah. a unique skill set, you're probably not using this kid correctly if you just say, hey, go play this position. I, I think this is someone you move around, and if he is as fast as he's believed to be from what we've been told at that size, then this guy is someone who can create some matchup issues for you. That That's the question. What is it? Does his explosiveness match, you know, sort of what we're hearing? And even if it doesn't, then I, I think that's a, an even bigger reason to say, okay, put this guy at tight end and let him use his size matched up against some, some guys who maybe, um, you know, aren't, aren't as, aren't as fast. Yeah. And I think moving him around is going to be key, you know, wh- whatever you want to call the position. Hey, he's a, he's a flex tight end or he's an outside receiver. Just find some matchups for him. You know, it's probably what Marcus Satterfield is going to look to do. And, and obviously, I mean, Wes, he's going to have to, you know, we've heard good things about his mentality. Obviously his size really stands out. Going to have to see, you know, how does this competition shake out? What does he do in practice? So, all those things are obviously still on the table. So to some degree, sort of talking, we're sort of talking in hypotheticals, but give it, you know, as long as he proves himself on the field during practice, we've heard good things based on workouts so far about EJ Jenkins, um, get him on the field. If you trust him, go get him in some situations where he, he can cause problems in terms of, of being a tough matchup for people. Dean says, give him a deal. He'll sign up right now. All right, Dean, there's your deal. Go to GameCockCentral.com. Put Gamecocks in the promo code, and you will get 50% off your first year on Gamecock Central, so that puts the cost at just under 50 bucks. I think it's like $49.99 or $49.95, something like that. Uh, so $50 first year. Um, go, Don't be like Greg. Go sign up right now, uh, Gamecock Central, and anybody else. You can put that there, – there's a little when – you, when you get to the checkout portion – Make sure you put that code in the field. Um, it's gonna when you just go to the site, it's gonna pop up the regular price. But once you put in the code, you will be able to get that discount there on the site. Um, so let's see, Chris. Let's talk a little bit of recruiting, man. South Carolina continues to, I would say, put their stamp on the 2022 class as far as. Um, not on the class, but on the cycle as far as picking out the guys they want to go after. And you've seen, dude, the last, what, two, three, four weeks, it has been an offer spree of uh, of new offers going out. But we all, media, fans, everybody, I think we all like to talk quarterbacks. So, um Gamecocks, Dean. I didn't even mean to click on that, Wes, but then I clicked on it, and so I said it and interrupted you. No, that's cool. Um, It's on the screen for you right there. Gamecocks is the code, um, Dean. But quarterbacks, we we all like talking quarterbacks, I think. And while I pull up these uh, highlights, Chris, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the the two – I would say, what, two new quarterback offers in the last, like, week or so yeah. 2022 so there's a few that we've been monitoring and and two of them uh picked up offers recently as Wes said so the first one was tanner bailey out of alabama four-star guy on rivals.com plays at gordo high 
Um, and he's a guy that's got, you know, really impressive offer lists. Both the major in-state programs, Auburn and Alabama, have offered him, you know, Florida State, Georgia. He Basically, a, a lot of the big-name schools around the southeast and beyond have offered. South Carolina have been in communication with him a lot, had pretty much uh, told him that, you know, an offer would be forthcoming soon, and, and that certainly happened. So South Carolina throwing their hat in the ring with Tanner Bailey. And then the other one um, that was interesting that was, I believe, yesterday, Wes, was Taven Jackson out of Indiana, who was another highly ranked four-star guy on Rivals.com. He's a kid that, you know, is really impressive. You know, when you look at his film, um, he's got size. He's a really good athlete. He's got, I would say, you know, above-average footwork and can really throw the ball. So there's some impressive things about Taven Jackson, too, and he's someone that, I think as a good chance to really, really blow up in terms of offers, even though he's already highly ranked, could could eventually get there as well. So a couple new quarterbacks to to track and watch in the 2022 class. Yeah, they're uh, – all right, I, I was struggling to get it up, but I think that it's on there on the screen now. Um, this is Taven Jackson. And as you said, Chris, someone that um, – outstanding athlete dude and you know I, I was reading up on him first of all um you know you, you look at the size very very impressive and someone that it's pretty obvious right off the bat you know what the skill set is his brother is an outstanding basketball player for for indiana and i'm, I'm guessing you just look man right off the bat Athleticism runs in this family. Um, Trace Jackson Davis is his brother. This kid's averaging almost twenty points a game and nine rebounds, and is six foot nine, two hundred and forty five pounds for um, for Indiana University. So, freakazoid yeah. um, brother. And now you look at him. I, I was reading up. His quarterback trainer was talking about, and, and this was maybe an article from last year, how the physical traits were just off the charts and that he spent the last year or so sort of trying to focus on, you know, the, the intangible parts of playing that position and the, the mental part and the processing coverages and, and stuff like that um, and, and has made great strides in, in that area. But, I mean, you look at this guy, I mean, you kind of – I would say like Hardesty was talking about running backs. Um, you just look at this guy and you say physically he can do everything you'd be looking for on paper if you were going to go find a quarterback prospect. Um, now, as we know, there's you know there's a reason that you can look at the top quarterbacks every year and about 50% of them pan out and 50% don't, even among the absolute top guys. And that's because it goes well beyond the physical part, but um, upside just to you know throw a cliche in there, but it's just true, man. Upside here is completely off the charts. It is, and, and like you said, Wes, without knowing, just because for me, I'll speak personally, won't put words in your mouth. In your mouth, you know, we we don't know enough, or I don't know enough about you know the intangibles and the, the mental capacity, all these different things that you want to. Definitely check off in a quarterback as you hear more as you get to know him. But when you just watch the film and you just start checking those boxes, 
you don't come away with a lot of concerns about this guy or, or say, well, I don't know about this or can he do this? I mean, you really see it all. You see pocket presence, footwork, being able to step up. You see the ability to, you know, throw the deep ball. You see the ability to put zip on it. He can move. Um, he can throw on the run. I mean, th- there's a lot there to like ab- about this kid. And once we, you know, sort of picked up on his name and, and heard about him as being an offer possibility, watched some film on him and, and definitely saw why. So this one will probably end up being a battle, you know, between a between a bunch of programs. I mean, Indiana, I'm sure, is going to go absolutely all out, you know, to try to keep this kid in the state. And obviously they're doing a great job under Tom Allen with that program. He's going to have a ton of out-of-state suitors, including Gamecocks. Yeah, and you're kind of, um, frankly, you are sort of playing a little bit of catch up with, with a lot of these quarterbacks because yeah. it starts so early, you know, with, with quarterback recruiting. And, uh, but, but you do have an opportunity here where you're, you're Mark Satterfield coming in, you're starting fresh. You have a little bit of a, you have a built-in excuse that if you're going in on a guy early because you just got hired here at South Carolina. So, and because there hasn't been in-person recruiting, in-person evaluation, I believe that probably leaves, maybe an opportunity there for there still to be some 2022 quarterbacks that have remained under the radar compared to what they maybe would have been otherwise. So, um, what, you know, whether it's this kid or whether it's a different kid, there's some other guys we've sort of been keeping an eye on, um, that I, I believe offers could be forthcoming at, at that position. But, uh, I will say this, it's kind of interesting we know how trends affect sports and affect football and they affect scouting and what people are looking at. It's kind of funny, Chris, how, I mean, I mean, Steve Spurrier would be freaking out in his office right now, looking at the way some of these guys deliver the football. Um, But it's gone from like a negative to a positive trait when a guy can deliver. And I just watching Taven Jackson real quick. There were some throws he made in the pocket where, he's maneuvering and he's flipping the ball out, you know, sort of three quarters and stuff like that. We all saw that iconic uh, picture of, of uh, Mahomes throwing perpendicular to the ground uh, on Sunday, but that's become part of this is that ability to make these off platform throws, but still manage to be accurate in how you do it. Yeah, and the, the off-platform throw has replaced arm talent as the cliche like quarterback phrase, right, for the last few years. It, several years ago, it was when people started talking more about arm talent. and Just, just referring just generally to a guy's ability to throw the ball and can he make, quote-unquote, all the throws. Now people, you know, look for if you can not only make the throws, but can you make them – you know, in the face of pressure, can you make the, the Pat Mahomes-esque throws? Now, not many people can do do it to his level, but can you throw on the run? Can you throw under duress? Can you make some some plays, you know, and manufacture some things? Um, that That's very popular now and, and has become more popular. Like you said, taken from sort of a negative to a positive, it used to be, oh, that's dangerous, don't do that play. Now it's a weapon uh, because guys are proving, as the position sort of has evolved even more, Guys are proving that they can not only that they're willing to try those plays, but that they can make those plays, and and people are starting to see sort of the fruits of that. Yeah, and um, man, I, I think it 
I think it goes back um, <laughs> to correcting me. Um, yes, parallel to the ground, not perpendicular to the ground. You're absolutely correct. Um, I didn't even think about that as I said it. I just said it and then moved along. But you're absolutely correct. Um, his entire body was parallel to the ground as he made that throw. But uh, I, I think more and more, man, you're going to see shortstops playing quarterback because it just feels like a lot of these throws that you would see a shortstop make and the way they deliver the football across the diamond is now the way we see quarterbacks um, throwing the football. And, you know, it's not completely new. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been delivering the ball from different angles, uh, you know, for, for over a decade now. So not completely new, but I, I do think that you look at, um, Mahomes and he's taking it just to another level. Um, you know, a guy like Kyler Murray who has a, a baseball background delivers a lot of balls like that. Um, you know, Russell Wilson at times will, you know, change his arm slide and stuff like that. So it's just becoming more and more accepted. I feel like at that position by coaches. Um, all right, man, I think that's going to do it for today. Um, Brandon asked about the fullback position. I, I don't know if that spot will still have a role or not. Um, Adam Prentice is um, gone. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if that remains at least a small part of the offense. Maybe you keep it in there, Chris, just because, um, you know, just because it kind of worked last year, uh-huh. maybe. Um, there, there are a, a couple of fullbacks on the roster still, even with Adam Prentice not there. Um, but what, what do you think, man? I, that that's not a question I've specifically asked anyone. Yeah, I haven't heard as much, and I think we'll know a lot more by the time the spring rolls around. I, I wouldn't anticipate it. I wouldn't think it'd be as big of a part, Wes. I think you know. I would think we'll probably be more inclined to see maybe more two tight end or something as opposed to more true eye stuff. But um, it, it's something that we could see some of. We just don't really have a great sense right now as to how much we will see. And also, you, you got to consider, I mean, without Prentice in the fold, how good do you feel about putting a fullback out there? You don't you don't want to just shoehorn it into, well, we, we like this formation. You have to feel good personnel-wise to see how much you want to fit in of that as well. And so maybe there's some other things that they – you know, might carry into the spring or eventually into the season that they feel better about. And maybe, maybe finally a, a good opportunity for my guy, Sean McGonagall. Um, the, uh, that's a family I've actually known for a long time. Good friends with the McGonagall family down there in Myrtle beach. Um, Sean is a fullback. Excuse me. He was a linebacker walk on within the program that moved to fullback last year and was sort of the, the backup fullback to, to Prentice. So uh, got in maybe a, a few games there, but, maybe finally an opportunity for him to find a way to get on the field and at least have a chance. Um, I think Bradley Dunn still listed as a fullback on the roster as well, the walk-on that is from uh, right down the road in Columbia from Hammond School. So we'll see. I, I think this will be a very multiple offense. But as Chris said, the the, the talent, the skill sets within this offense will probably determine, uh, will probably determine maybe – what concepts went out over the other. So it would be multiple in a grand scheme standpoint and that they can do. Somebody told me, you know, they're going to try to do a little bit of everything, but ultimately what you do well is sort of how you whittle it down to your actual, actual on, you know, 
game week type scheming and then within the game play calling. So we'll see what all that looks like. Um, Chris, I have no idea what you're reading right now. You were given the people's eyebrow. Um, really, yeah, I am. Look. <laughs> yeah, I was looking over some roster stuff as you were talking about it. So definite per- people's eyebrow vibe. Was, was there something you want to share with the class? <laughs> no, no, just just reading along and I guess studying uh, studying hard for the test. That was Chris's study face. Okay, yeah. I got you. All right, for Chris, I'm Wes. Um, we'll be back on Friday for Free For All Friday. Um, appreciate the support. As always, appreciate y'all listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, just do all. click some buttons, click some likes, click some five stars, whatever you're listening on or watching. Just click a bunch of stuff um, unless it's a thumbs down. Click everything. Uh, For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you Friday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.